Section 3 Where will Christ return? If Christ comes again as a man born on earth, he will certainly be born among a people who are chosen by God in accordance with his predestination. Where is this place God has chosen for Christ's return? Who are the people chosen to receive him? Section 3.1 Will Christ return among the Jewish people? Some Christians expect that Christ will come again among the Jewish people, based on several passages from the Bible. And I heard the number of the sealed, a 144,000 sealed, out of every tribe of the sons of Israel. And, truly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. However, to interpret these verses in this way is to misunderstand God's providence. On this matter, Jesus uttered the parable of the vineyard. Here another parable. There was a householder who planted a vineyard, and set a hedge around it, and dug a winepress in it, and built a tower, and let it out to tenants, and went into another country. When the season of fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants, and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Afterwards he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation producing the fruits of it. Matthew chapter 21 verses 33 through 43. In this parable, the householder represents God, the vineyard represents God's work, the tenants entrusted with the work represents the Jewish people, the servants represent the prophets, the sons of the householder represent Jesus, and the other tenants who harvest the fruit represent some other nation which can receive Christ at the second advent and realize God's will. By this parable, Jesus conveyed that he will not come again to the people who persecuted him. God will take away the mission previously entrusted to them and give it to another people who can produce its fruits upon Christ's return. Why then does the Bible seem to portray Christ as returning to Israel? To answer this question, we must first inquire as to the meaning of Israel. Israel means the one who has prevailed. Jacob received this name upon defeating the angel who wrestled him at the fort of Jabbok. Jacob wrestled with the angel to secure the position of Abel for the foundation of substance. By successfully securing the position of Abel and making the substantial offering, Jacob established the family foundation for the Messiah. His descendants, who inherited the responsibility for God's providence upon this foundation, are called Israel, or the chosen people. The term Israel thus signifies the people of God who have triumphed through their faith and does not necessarily apply to everyone who comes out of Jacob's lineage. Thus, John the Baptist said to the Jews, Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Moreover, St. Paul said, For he is not a real Jew, who is one outwardly, nor is true circumcision something external and physical. He is a Jew 
who is one inwardly, and real circumcision, is a matter of the heart, spiritual and not literal. And not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. They reproached those Jews who boasted that they were the chosen people based only on their lineal connection to Abraham, even though they were not in fact living according to the will of God. It can be said that the descendants of Jacob were Israel at the time of their departure from Egypt under Moses' leadership, but they no longer were when they turned against God in the wilderness. Therefore, God swept them away in the wilderness and led only the younger generation into Canaan. These God regarded as the true Israel. Of the descendants of Abraham who entered the land of Canaan, the ten tribes of the northern kingdom of Israel, who transgressed against God's will, perished because they lost their qualification as God's chosen people. Only the two tribes of the southern kingdom of Judah, who continued to uphold the will of God, remained the chosen people who could eventually receive Jesus. Nevertheless, when they led Jesus to the cross, they also lost their qualification to be the people centrally responsible for God's providence. Who became the chosen people after Jesus' crucifixion? They were none other than Christians who inherited the faith of Abraham and took on the mission which Abraham's descendants did not complete. St. Paul wrote, Through their trespasses, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous, testifying that the center of God's providence of restoration had shifted from the Jews to the Gentiles. Therefore, the chosen people who should lay the foundation for Christ the second advent are not the descendants of Abraham, but rather the Christians who have inherited the faith of Abraham. Section 3.2 Christ will return to a nation in the east. As Jesus explained through the parable of the vineyard, when the Jewish people, like the tenants in the parable who killed the son of their master, led Jesus to the cross, they lost their providential mission. Which nation, then, will inherit the work of God and bear its fruits? The Bible suggests that this nation is in the east. The book of Revelation describes the opening of a scroll sealed with seven seals. And I saw in the right hand of him, who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And I wept much that no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then one of the elders said to me, Weep not, lo, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Revelations chapter 5 verses 1 through 5 The lion of the tribe of Judah signifies Christ. It is he who will open the seven seals in the last days. After six of the seals are opened, then I saw another angel ascend from the rising of the sun, with the seal of the living God, and he called with a voice, saying, Do not harm the earth, or the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God upon their foreheads. And I heard a number of the sealed, a one hundred and forty-four thousand. Revelations chapter 7, verses 2 through 4. This indicates that the seal of the living God will be placed upon the foreheads of the one hundred forty-four thousand in the east, where the sun rises. These chosen ones will accompany the Lamb at his return. We can thus infer that the nation which will inherit the work of God and bear its fruits for the sake of the second advent is in the east. There Christ will be born and received by the 144,000 elect of God. Which among the nations of the east is chosen to receive the Lord?
Section 3.3 The nation in the east is Korea. Since ancient times, the nations in the east have traditionally been considered to be the three nations of Korea, Japan, and China. Among them, Japan throughout its history has worshipped the sun goddess, Amasatsu Omi Kami. Japan entered the period of the Second Advent as a fascist nation and severely persecuted Korean Christianity. China at the time of the Second Advent was a hotbed of communism and would become a communist nation. Thus, both nations belong to Satan's side. Korea, then, is the nation in the East where Christ will return. Let us examine, from the viewpoint of the principle, the various ways in which Korea has become qualified to receive Christ at the Second Advent. As the nation to which the Messiah returns, Korea had to meet the following qualifications. Section 3.3.1 A National Condition of Indemnity For Korea to become a nation fit to receive the Messiah, it had to fulfill a national dispensation of 40 for the separation of Satan for the cosmic level restoration of Canaan. Why was Korea given this condition of indemnity? If Christ returns to Korea, the Korean people are destined to become the third Israel. In the Old Testament age, the descendants of Abraham who upheld God's will and endured persecution in Egypt were the first Israel. The Christians, who were persecuted as heretics by the Jews, as they honored the resurrected Jesus and carried on the providence of restoration, became the second Israel. Christ at his return is likely to be similarly condemned as a heretic by the Christians of his time, in accordance with the prophecy that he will suffer and be rejected by his generation, as was Noah in his days. If so, God will have to abandon the Christians who are persecuting Christ, just as he abandoned the Jews who rejected Jesus. Then, the Korean people, who will attend the returning Christ and support him to complete the third chapter of God's providence, will become the third Israel. The first Israel suffered 400 years in Egypt. This was to fulfill a dispensation of 40 for the separation of Satan, as required to set out on the national course to restore Canaan. The second Israel had to prevail over the 400 years of persecution in the Roman Empire to fulfill a dispensation of 40 for the separation of Satan, as required to commence the worldwide course for the restoration of Canaan. As the third Israel, the Korean people also had to suffer under a nation on Satan's side for a period which fulfills the number 40. Thereby, they could fulfill a dispensation of 40 for the separation of Satan, as required to commence the cosmic level course to restore Canaan. This was the 40-year period during which Korea suffered untold hardships as a colony of Japan. Korea was an early objective of Japan's imperialist policy. The USA Treaty of Protection, concluded in 1905 by Hirobumi Ito of Japan and Wang Yong Lee of Korea, imposed on Korea the status of a Japanese protectorate. All of Korea's diplomatic rights were given over to the care of the Foreign Affairs Ministry of Japan. Japan stationed a governor general and appointed military officials in every district to control all of Korea's domestic affairs. In a short time, Japan had forced its will upon the Korean people, dictating their policies, diplomacy, and economic affairs. Japan forcibly annexed Korea in 1910. The Japanese committed atrocities against the Korean people, imprisoning and executing many patriots and depriving the people of their freedom. When a movement for independence broke out on March 1, 1919, the Japanese killed thousands of civilians in every part of the peninsula. At the time of the Great Kanto earthquake in 1923, 
the Japanese made scapegoats of innocent Koreans living in Tokyo and massacred many of them. Meanwhile, many Koreans who could no longer endure Japanese oppression gave up their homes and fled to the wilderness of Manchuria in pursuit of freedom. There they endured untold hardships and gave their hearts and souls for independence of their homeland. The Japanese military searched from village to village for these loyal Koreans. In some villages, they herded young and old alike into a building and set it on fire, burning them alive. Japan continued such tyranny right up to the day of its fall. The Koreans who were killed in the March 1st independence movement and in the wilderness of Manchuria were predominantly Christians. Towards the end of its colonial rule, Japan embarked on a notorious policy to stamp out independent Christianity in Korea. Christians were forced to worship as Shinto shrines. Those who did not comply were imprisoned or executed. When Emperor Hirohito of Japan surrendered at the end of World War II, the Korean people were finally liberated from their bondage. The Korean people suffered for 40 years, from the Osa Treaty of Protection of 1905 to their liberation in 1945. Their suffering paralleled the hardships of the first Israel in Egypt and the second Israel in the Roman Empire. Korea's independence movement was led mainly by Christians, both at home and abroad. It was the Christians who suffered the most under Japan's tyranny.